0: Ole Miss just completed its number one job of the offseason. What was that? Well, stick around. We'll tell you. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host on this magical mystery tour we call Ole Miss fandom, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much. And today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's Bet Online where the game starts. And also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the comments by commenting down below and upvoting the video. We'd appreciate it very much. So job number one of the offseason is done. Quinshawn Judkins re-signed, and I cannot believe I'm saying that in regards to college football. That's a sentence that five years ago I just didn't even know that would be possible to said. But Quinshawn Judkins re-signed with the Grove Collective yesterday. Now, we don't know the specific specifics of the deal, but I assume it was pretty good. So that was job one and the most important piece because he is literally somewhere around 115 to 160 yards. I don't know the exact numbers away from setting the all-time freshman record for rushing yards. So he's in heady waters. I'm like, only behind Herschel Walker and Nick Chubb is where he's living at this moment. So it's a big moment for Quinshawn Judkins. And this was an important part of this team moving forward because this team is going to evolve next year. Yes, they're still going to be very run heavy because you should be run heavy with a running back of his caliber back there. As good as this team is run blocking, it all makes sense. But As the season went on and the development happened and the evolution happened of Jackson Dart at quarterback, you could see where opening up the offense is not something foreign, something that can't be done. Because you saw him. He was 30 for 38 in a monsoon in the Egg Bowl for like 270 yards, put the ball where he needed to be, did all the stuff that was required of him. It was a good evening for Jackson Dart. So knowing that, And knowing Quinshawn Judkins, I do think this offense is going to evolve next year just because of what it is. Now, it's not going to turn into what it was with Matt Corral in 2021. But I don't think it's going to be as run-heavy as it was this year. And this year, believe me, it was completely run-heavy at the moment. Now, I've heard other people ask what's going on in the portal with the running back position. And I do not anticipate them to be heavy in the portal for the running back position. Now, I think they're going to recruit them. I think there's a chance there's some high school players that pops in. Ulysses Bentley is coming back. I think that is important for them. But if they get anybody out of the portal, it's probably just going to be a body. Um, I'm, not, I'm not expecting anybody that could possibly be a starter at all for Ole Miss to essentially waste the money and they're an IL collective um, just to do it. So I would um, expect them to kind of run with what they got and recruit whoever they get out of high school recruiting, that guy to get a decent number of carries next year. That That's just my opinion on that. Now, we talk about the portal, and the portal is going to be very important for the Ole Miss team moving forward, period. Um, we've shown over the last couple of years how important it was. Heck, We even call our coach the portal king, so it's going to be important. And Now that we have a $10 million war chest for NIL, the portal is going to become an interesting thing moving forward because we don't really have high-dollar needs on the offensive side of the ball. We're not looking for a quarterback. We're not looking for a running back. We're not looking for a left tackle. Those are really the three big positions. The biggest position Ole Miss is looking for probably is a rush in. They're probably going to have to pay for that a good bit. But you have a chance to win some battles because they are in non-heavy profit areas, if that makes sense. Since you're looking for a wide receiver, you might be able to win some battles that you wouldn't have won last year because you got Zach Evans and Jackson Dart and had to worry about those positions. So since you have more money to contribute to certain parts of the field, it could be interesting and it might be a very successful transfer portal season for the Ole Miss Rebels. Now, teams like Auburn, they have to um, remake their roster. They're going to be active in the portal. Um, Real similar to what LSU was last year. That is absolutely fine and, and, and is expected. As this goes on, the portal is going, become, going to become busier and busier. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. Busier and busier. And the head start that Ole Miss has on it is a good thing. It allows them to build the stuff ancillary to the portal that is going to be required to be the next step portal king. We are a couple of steps ahead of the game right now. But to get to where we need to be, we need to continue to grow. So listen to what is said, and um, because they're going to have to play the game, and they know where the wind is blowing um, at the moment. And I say that the same way that I said NIL was going to take all the money, all the oxygen out of the room, and it's put a delay on our capital campaign. It's now going after basically micro money, like the $10 a month that Ole Miss Spirit or something like that. Now those that money is going to the collective as well, and it's going to suck all the oxygen out of the room. It, it, ever since it got brought in, that was always going to be the case. So we'll see what happens. But Quinshawn Judkins re-signed with the Grove Collective for the 2023-2024 season. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the 12-team playoff, that final approval that is going to start after the 2024 season. So we have one more year of four teams, and then it goes up to 12, and we will talk about that um, real quick as well. But first, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional or amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer or esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love podcasts, we have those as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And anytime you see a line on this site, it is brought to you by bet online it's bet online where the game starts all right thank you for making the locked on almost podcast your first listen every day um absolutely outstanding but for your second listen today check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond this scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports Today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. A really important thing happened yesterday. The standoff between college football, because the college football playoff, the one obstacle that they really had to move this forward after the 2024 season for it to become a reality was the Rose Bowl. And specifically they don't want to come off that gate. They want to have the Tournament of Rose Parade go straight to it. It's a big event for the city of Pas- Pasadena, not Pascagoula. My Mississippi is showing. Um, but as it, got, as it has evolved over the last couple of years, the Rose Bowl is not what it once was. And with UC- USC and UCLA leaving the big Pac-12 for the Big Ten, now the Rose Bowl is really hurting. And that has always been hurting to the point where throughout every change of college football, the Rose Bowl has fought it. Everything, the Bowl Alliance, you go back to whatever's happening 30 years ago, the Rose Bowl was the reason we were lucky to even have that. For years, it was the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl wanting to do exactly what they need to do. Now, the Sugar Bowl saw exactly how the tea leaves were, um, were blowing and just completely changed off of it. And they're like, hey, we're good. Just keep coming to New Orleans every now and then, and we'll have a party. The Rose Bowl has been steadfast to their traditions. And the one thing that I said earlier in the week on Twitter is, unfortunately, every granddaddy dies. And my post behind that is obviously the Rose Bowl being the granddaddy of them all. But them not knowing who they were. You know me. You, if you watch the show, I'm very big on knowing what you are. Be true to that. Do whatever needs to happen. Well, the Rose Bowl has an outsensed view of themselves. A view from 1978 that has not changed. You, you just picture a whole bunch of people in a cigar-filled room just patting themselves on the back after the game. I'm like, good job. Way to go. But the reality is, when the playoff got in and the Rose Bowl, which agreed during that playoff to never have a championship game, it was never going to be a part of the championship game, just so their game could always be at the same time on the same day. And they were able to get that through the playoff because they were trying this blackmail before. Now, it's going to be a little bit different. And all of this happened... Ohio State actually reached out to the Rose Bowl and said, don't pick us. Whenever you're picking your bowl selection, please do not pick us. And why is that? If the Rose Bowl is so awful important, why is that? Honestly, Ohio State is basically like going to the Citrus Bowl. That's what the Rose Bowl has become in non-playoff semifinal years. Like going to the Citrus Bowl. Other bowls might be more worth it. He was thinking, it's like, well, we can go to Pasadena again for the fifth time in 10 years, or we can go to Miami. Which will our fans enjoy more if they're going to have to spend so much money to go one or the other? And because of that, I think the Rose Bowl saw the writing on the wall and kind of relented and realized, like, hey, we either... Join the party now and do whatever needs to be done, or they're going to kick us out. They they already host a bowl game in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. They do not need Pasadena. They have a way to build that up and make that worthwhile, and all of a sudden that's in the playoff, and that takes care of the L.A. side of the thing. So they decided to <clears throat> play ball. All right. So all of that is what's been going over the last couple of days, and you might not be paying attention to that. Now, this is the reason I bring it up on this show. The 12-team playoff is unbelievably important for programs like Ole Miss and Auburn and South Carolina and Arkansas, Mississippi State. Those programs the 12-team playoff is impressively important for because what had happened, and this was a completely inter- inadvertent thing whenever they decided to do the plus one because that's what actually happened. It was a plus one model. That's how we dipped our toe in the playoff pool. But it turned into six teams that were really able to recruit to the playoff. So those six teams dividing the top 50 players in the country. And there was a gap that just emerged between Alabama and Georgia and basically the rest because of what they're able to um, recruit to. Everybody's like, well, if you could make there, make it there, it wouldn't really matter. And that, that's absolutely true. But the problem is it turned into a hard-to-make system whenever you're dealing with, say, the SEC. Alabama and Georgia kind of had that unlocked and do have that unlocked. And now that it's 12 teams... Ole Miss would have been in a position where several times in the last 10 years they would have been in the playoff if a 12-team playoff happened. More teams in there. So instead of six teams that can re- recruit to the playoff, now you have 25. And because of that, that means the teams, even if the same teams are winning the tournament, those same teams aren't as good as, say, this year's teams or last year's teams because of the parity is going to bring everything a little bit closer together. So not only Ole Miss being able to regularly get into the party, play playoff games, but you're looking at a situation where the top is going to get a little weaker. And it's honestly going to make the bowl season even a little bit more interesting. When it came out today, it said the first round games is going to be the week-ending of December 21st. That's like the week right before Christmas. They're going to have their, um, we're going to call them playing games, but they're not playing games. It's the fifth seed through the 12th seed playing that first round with the winners playing the one, two, three, and four seed. So that is going to be important. So the way this thing is kind of setting up at the moment is that first round game, whenever you're having games on campus, and No matter what happens, if there's a game in Brian Denny Stadium, if there's a game in Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium, there's a game in Jordan-Hare, if there's a game in Sanford Stadium that first weekend, that is automatically the biggest game that has ever been played in that stadium. Don't underestimate what this means. That will be a massive, massive game, and you're going to have three weeks to get ready for it. It's going to be fantastic. So you play those games, it's the week of the 21st, and then the week of the first, New Year's Day, is the quarterfinal games. That's where the one through four seeds come into play, and that will be traditional bowl games playing um, for that. That would be like the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, those things. Then the winners of that will go on to play in, say, the Fiesta Bowl and the Cotton Bowl for the semifinals, and then the national championship game will happen around January 20th. Now, A, the college football season has been expanded until the end of January. I'm all for that. It's it's amazing. It's the best sport in the world, and I'm excited about what it could possibly mean. But when you take the recruiting, the access that Ole Miss now has, when before they were kind of locked out of it. I mean, if you want Alabama or Georgia, you, you had to have a special, special season to make that playoff but the way it sits now four sec teams have a chance to make that trip last year Ole Miss would have been in the field and they would have deserved to be in the field and they would have played i think um a home game against like oklahoma state i mean that would have instantly been the biggest game in bond hemingway stadium history so Don't poo-poo it. We've got one more year of this cast system that they've got us put in play, and then it's going to open up. So after the 2024 season, it will open up. Unbelievably huge day for Ole Miss football with that happening. With that getting finalized, unbelievably huge day. Now the important thing for Ole Miss is to continue building as well. To get to the point where when 2024 happens and it's there, you are best positioned to take advantage of it. It's already happened once. When the playoff happened, Ole Miss was in the original playoff rankings. They were best positioned to take advantage of it. And because of that, this program has grown by leaps and bounds. Just absolutely crazy. When everything changed, they changed with it. And because of that, they have maximized exactly where they could be and rung on the ladder. They've gone up. So it gets to the point where if Ole Miss is in the playoff, everybody's going to be like, well, yeah, makes sense. Ole Miss should be in the playoff. They are one of the 12 best teams in the country. That is the point we are at in college football, and and that is absolutely crazy when you think about what happened in the 80s um, and at some point in time in the 90s. Just absolutely crazy. All right, when we come back, we are going to have John Garcia talking about what the last three weeks have done for recruiting some headlines um, in recruiting that we need to pay attention for, and kind of intro the next three weeks for John Garcia. Anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and, of course, participate in the conversation by commenting or upvoting the video itself. Also, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That is why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. I'm here with John Garcia. We're going to get back into recruiting now that all this Lane Kiffin stuff has died down. John, how you doing,
1: bud? I'm doing well, Stephen. Yeah, it's um, it's obviously a busy time, and yeah, a lot of it has to do with what doesn't happen, just as much as as what we actually see happening. So it's it's the silly season for a reason.
0: Okay, before we get started on the Ole Miss stuff, I'm just going off of what hat you're wearing right now, Trent Dilfer to UAB. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, uh, phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, a guy who's who's got a ton of cachet nationally at the quarterback position has helped build the Elite Eleven into. Kind of the premier quarterbacking event. But then he's also supplemented it with a ton of coaching experience, really all over the map, including most recently at Lips- Lipscomb Academy. Trent is very insightful. He's confident um, and he's self aware, which I think is an underrated trait for coaches. He knows where his weaknesses are. So with that and his network, I would imagine he builds a pretty interesting staff at UAB, which a lot of folks have always felt like is kind of a sleeping giant relative to the area. Uh, And obviously, um, you know, a lot of potential there, new stadium, great school, all of that uh, in a big Metro or growing Metro, I should say. So I think it's fascinating. And I think that's going to be a trend going forward. We've seen it work so well with other coaches in that same vein, right? NFL experience, TV coaching at the youth levels. I mean, Deion Sanders comes to mind as soon as I say all those words. So yeah, I think it's a great outside-the-box hire, and it could be a, a high-risk, high-reward deal for the Blazers.
0: Speaking of Deion Sanders, before we move on, do you think it's Cincinnati, South Florida, or Colorado?
1: I mean, if I'm him, I'm probably Cincinnati-bound, right? Big 12 mm-hmm. school uh, with with that footprint, that recent history, um, uh, be able to recruit locally, which is something you can't necessarily do at Colorado, the other Power 5 job. South Florida at the group of five level feels like it's stuck. Um, You know, there hasn't been a lot of success there despite the location. Uh, I think out of all the FBS schools in Florida, South Florida struggled the most. And that's saying a lot, right, with FIU and FAU uh, among those schools in the state. So if I'm him, I'm probably Cincinnati bound. But will the offer come in? You know, that's the, the biggest question there with Dion, Uh but he, he's hinting at a decision here soon. So it's like a recruit, right? We're, we're, we're refreshing Twitter and seeing if he breaks his own uh, coaching hire, which would be the most Dion thing to do anyway.
0: Yeah. You, are you expecting a graphic like you get from the recruits?
1: <laughs> Honestly, with him, it, it could be a whole video, a whole commitment <laughs> video to, to his new school. I mean, who knows? Fascinating. Uh, one, one of the, you know, he's, he's going to go down as one of the trailblazers in terms of just, Going outside the box from an athletic department standpoint, and obviously, you know, kind of finding his groove at the right time of, of player empowerment, and he's kind of a, a bit of a poster child for that as well. So his his trajectory in and of itself will be fascinating, just in the sport uh, overall.
0: All right, so let's get get on to the Ole Miss stuff um, that everybody is watching to tune in and see. Um, after all of the Auburn Lane Kiffin stuff completely blew up and just took over the internet for two weeks.
1: Yeah. What, what is recruiting like? What did that do?
0: Any adverse reaction to that?
1: Let me tell you, um, the staff did a really nice job communicating with their recruits. I was connecting with Bryson Sanders' camp, Sunterine Perkins' camp, Marcel Reed's camp. Um, there was very little worry from their camps despite all the noise. So I think the staff did a really nice job of neutralizing uh, a lot of the chatter that was out there you know other schools try to take advantage of those situations particularly with Perkins who's you know he'll be on flip watch until signing day right you know until that letter of intent is signed he's one to keep an eye on the highest ranked commit in this Ole Miss class Um, but I thought the staff did a really nice job of of kind of being unified and, and nipping these things in the bud as they popped up including from Lane Kiffin himself which is is not easy to do when you're dealing with all of that so Um, The the staff did a great job and the kids were never really worried. So there was really no threat relative to that chatter, which is just not what we expect. Anytime there's chatter, you see movement in recruiting, especially this close to national signing day, December 21st. None of it happened at Ole Miss. I think that's an indication of Kiffin's true desire to stay there. And the belief from these recruits that almost independent of Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss is stable And it's going to be a threat for 10 wins every single year. There is a belief in that from the recruits themselves.
0: Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Um, So with signing day, December 21st, like you said, we are in the heart of flip season. So which candidates should Ole Miss be paying attention to um, for flips? Malachi Coleman, perhaps? Who knows?
1: yeah he's he's definitely the newest one right just mm. a couple hours before we started recording decommitted from nebraska the in-state school um old miss was among the schools he was looking at before that point but really malachi you know he he hinted at nebraska before he committed there and that caused some schools to cool on him because they didn't want to waste the resources right you get a finite amount of official visits and obviously those resources are coveted so Ole Miss, uh, Miami, a couple schools really kind of bowed out of that race when it appeared that he was Nebraska's to lose. So he did commit to Nebraska and Mickey Joseph at the time. And obviously since then, a ton has changed, right? Joseph is out. Matt Rule is in. Joseph has also ran into some legal trouble. So that looks like a totally different deal. So naturally, Coleman decommits today. And you expect those same schools to get back involved, Ole Miss, Miami, et cetera. The next question, though, is can the visit get set up right now? There's not a lot of official visits planned on the Ole Miss front, as far as I can tell. So how much can scramble mode now that there is clarity with the coaching staff? How much can that lead to kids taking in Oxford over the next few weekends in particular? Coleman's one I would keep an eye on. I think Dante Dowdle in state is still worth uh, keeping an eye on. He was supposed to visit for the Egg Bowl, but they kept winning. So he had to play a playoff game the next day. The coaches didn't want their players making any visits, but his camp did tell me that he might get to Oxford anyway before signing day. Of course, Dowdle, top running back in the state, if you don't include Perkins as a running back, committed to Oregon for quite some time. But uh, both Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and others have really been working to flip him. Uh, Mississippi State's most recent offer as well. So depending on how that visit schedule works out in the end, Ole Miss absolutely still a threat to flip maybe the best uh, skill position player in the state, which is a big deal in Mississippi, as you know.
0: All right, John, um, real quick before we move on to what's next with Ole Ole Miss, what do you think is better in recruiting? Would it be to go to the Las Vegas Bowl that plays on December 17th, or is it to go to the Gator Bowl that plays on January 2nd? Which is preferable?
1: Uh, Probably the latter, right? You you get the entire uh, allotment of the recruiting perks that are about to hit, right? Uh, On Friday, you're allowed to hit the road to see kids and meet with them in their homes, which is not uh, a part of the evaluation process. So that will be uh, a, a portion of the recruiting process that helps kids make decisions, right? Getting those final questions answered, not only for you, but your parents, your coaches, whoever Is in your home and in those moments and of course as we just mentioned official visit weekends are going to be big here down the stretch so if you are in bowl prep and eventually traveling for a december 17th bowl that last visit weekend that's what 15 16 17th i believe now you lose that official visit weekend with your coaches because you're playing the bowl game so for recruiting in the early period that january 2nd bowl plays a little bit better you can try to coincide visits with bowl practices and Kill two birds with one stone like you do in the spring or during the regular season itself.
0: All right. Um, So what's next for Ole Miss football and recruiting over the next three weeks? What do we need to be looking for?
1: Yeah, still a lot of skill position prospects on the table. Look, we know the portal's opening December 5th. That will be its own thing for Ole Miss. But in terms of high school recruiting, it's about a lot of the skill positions. Uh, Running back, as we mentioned, with Dowdle. Is crucial but it's not just him christopher johnson uh, has been Ole miss or miami back and forth it feels like for some time now he's going to take a couple of other visits penn state i think is is next up so that'll be interesting to see if they can get into the conversation or does it remain an Ole miss versus miami battle kendrick rascano still out there the former michigan state verbal commitment Ole miss has been surging for him at running back oklahoma state penn state among those involved so between those three backs johnson rascano dowla you gotta land one of them you would think we know receivers still a big deal kaden lee is, is probably where that conversation begins now does malachi coleman sneak in there but Caden but has been high on ole miss for quite some time um, but heavy heavy hitters in that battle right for, the, for one of the best slots in the country oklahoma georgia south carolina ucf the contenders there so there's still a lot down the stretch uh still got my eyes on jamel johnson the former texas safety commitment we know Ole Miss has been surging in the state of Texas in particular. Johnson, as, as soon as he decommitted from Texas, there was some Ole Miss buzz as he was on campus recently before that that movement. So I think the skill positions are where you expect more high school um, impact down the stretch for Ole Miss. And then obviously that means in the portal probably supplement it with, with some bigger bodies as, as we've seen Lane Kiffin do in the past.
0: All right. Thank you very much, John. And thanks for everybody for making Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today – Check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. John, we'll get back together next week. We'll get an update on some things, and we're going to push towards early signing day
1: and beyond, man. Sounds good, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care.